Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Wassalamu ala ibadihi alladhi nastafa Amma ba'd Fa'udhu billahi minash shaytani rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Walladhina jahadu fina Lanahdiyannahum subulana Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yusifun Wassalamu ala al-mursaleen Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم one of the realities of all of us that's everybody on this planet and everybody in this room, is that we all have habits that we would like to eliminate. Every one of us. We all have some habits that we know are not good for us, and inside we know that we need to eliminate these habits, but we find difficulty in achieving that goal. Now, by the way, I mentioned that it's not unique to us. It's actually the case with every person on the planet. If you sit down and talk to any human being, over time they begin to appreciate that there are certain aspects about them that are less than ideal. And likely they would like to change those things about themselves. For example, you can go anywhere, sit down on a corner, talk to a person, eventually you'll learn, they'll say something. I would like to be more patient. I would like to lose weight. I would like to exercise more. I would like to stop smoking. Anything, I don't know. Anybody, you can talk to anybody, I think we can all relate. And because this is such a big issue, for all of humanity, there are actually studies. It's interesting. There's scientific studies about what are the reasons why people fail when they try to change themselves. Now, subhanAllah, we have some insight into this because all of us, we're always trying to improve ourselves. And in particular, we know that there are certain things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has decreed for us to be impermissible, and the reason those things are impermissible is because they're harmful for us. So we ourselves have many features that we're always trying to battle with, that we're always trying to change. And subhanAllah, we have basic principles in our deen that teach us how we can change ourselves, how we can avoid those circumstances. And when I was reading recently, I was just studying this topic recently, and when I was reading what the scientists, particularly the behavioral scientists say, I was struck by the fact that many of the recommendations that they give are the same recommendations that we find in the sunnah and we find within our deen. And in particular, I can tell you that, now, you know, you can look at this from two perspectives. So one perspective is, how do I get rid of the bad habits that I find in my own life? And the second is, how can I bring good habits into my life? For example, bad habit I want to stop eating cupcakes every day. Good habit, 
I would like to exercise every day. Now, these are two opposite things, right? So I'm just going to speak from the perspective of bad habits for a second, but many of these principles are pretty much applicable the other way around as well. So what are the, so essentially behavioral scientists, now I'm going to use their own writings. We're going to just talk about what they say. So they say that there's four major things that prohibit a person from getting rid of their bad habits. Four major things. And again, you can apply this both ways. They apply this for bringing in something good into our lives or avoiding something that we'd like to avoid. So the first major challenge, they say, is temptation. Temptation. What does that mean? That means that I recognize that there's a bad habit within me. I'm going to keep it very simple. I, I recognize that I eat too many cupcakes. I don't know if I look like I eat too many cupcakes, but I'm just using that as an example. All right, I eat too many cupcakes. And I would like to get rid of this habit of eating too many cupcakes. So they say that the first thing to appreciate concerning a bad habit is that it's going to have a degree of temptation associated with it, and you have to cut the temptation before you can cut the bad habit. For example, if I'm having a problem eating too many cupcakes, then it's very likely that there's something in my past that keeps me connected with cupcakes. For example, maybe when I was young, my mom used to bake a lot of cupcakes. Maybe every time when I played soccer as a child and every time we won a game, my coach would buy us cupcakes. Maybe, um, you know, I don't know, my spouse buys me cupcakes every time uh, I do something good. Or my parents bought me cupcakes every time I did something good. So they say that these things become so hardwired in a person, right? This, this past history, that that along with just the natural desire that exists in a person begins to overwhelm the person and eventually becomes very difficult if they get themselves in a circumstance of temptation. So the solution, now by the way, they give the problem and they give the solution. So they say the solution is that you have to avoid the environment and the associations with cupcakes. Again, cupcakes is arbitrary, right? It could be anything. It could be I, use, I misuse my eyes on the internet. It could be I talk too much. It could be I have an opioid addiction, right? I mean, these things are all just part of life. But anyway, the point here is that temptation is a common feature that causes a person to lose their ability to fight off the desire to change. So it's so interesting. They say you have to avoid the environment of temptation. What does that mean? You can't go to the grand opening of the cupcake store. You're not allowed to walk through the aisle where the cupcakes are sold. You, if you know that there's going to be cupcakes at a party, you should leave early because the cupcakes tend to arise at the end, right? I mean, first they have dinner, then they put out the cupcakes. If you know that um, you had an association and it gets a little more complicated, let's not go there. But anyway, here the point is very simple. What's the point? The point is that one major uh, aspect by which a person fails to change their own habits that they desire that they would like to change is temptation. And the avoidance of temptation is how a person can save themselves from 
failing in trying to change their habit. Now, by the way, this is a principle in our deen as well, right? Because remember, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously created Adam and Hawa alayhim as And then they were placed in Jannah. Everybody knows the story. And when they were placed in Jannah, they were given the opportunity to take advantage of all of Jannah with the exception of one tree. They were not supposed to approach one tree. Now, the problem wasn't approaching the tree. The problem was partaking of the tree, of the fruits of the tree. However, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them to avoid the tree, he didn't say avoid the tree. He said, don't even go near the tree. Right? The Quran says, وَلَا تَقْرَبَا هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ Don't even approach this tree. Highlighting what? That if you approach this tree, there's going to be a high probability of temptation arising, which then increases the possibility that you'll be tempted and you'll fall. Or slip, in this case. So they slipped. So, principle point number one. When there's something in our life that we don't like about ourselves, and we want to change that, we should recognize the circumstances that lead to that. And then avoid those circumstances. You're not going to win the battle by going into the cupcake aisle and say, no cupcakes, no cupcakes, no cupcakes. Eventually the cupcakes will come in your cart. (laughs) So you have to be realistic, right? You have to avoid the cupcake aisle if you want to avoid cupcakes. So this is the first way by which people fail. Second, by the way, I told you there's four, correct? So we're going to do four. The second way by which people fail, it's called rebellion. Rebellion means that people get frustrated that the outside world is imposing this change upon them. So they eventually come to the point where they say, to heck with everyone, I'm just going to do it. Because I don't want people to tell me what I want, what I should be doing. Meaning, human beings, inherently they have the desire to be free. This freedom is not some new thing that came up in the last 200 years. Human beings inherently want to be free. In fact, basically Islam frees human beings because Islam frees us from our base desires and liberates us into the openness of worshipping Allah. So there's a freedom there. This freedom has existed from the beginning of humanity. Human beings want to be free. Now, if someone tells them that they can't do something, even if they agree with it, the fact that they didn't impose it on themselves, but that some external force imposed it upon them, causes them to rebel and use it as an excuse to partake of that thing. For example, if somebody tells you every day, why are you eating so many cupcakes? You shouldn't be eating so many cupcakes. You know cupcakes are bad for you. You know cupcakes are going to give you diabetes. You know cupcakes are going to give you high blood pressure over time. Why are you eating so many cupcakes? Why do you eat so many cupcakes? They might accept everything that you're saying. Because it makes sense. They're not, you know, they're intelligent people. But the problem is that it was imposed from the outside. So when it's imposed from the outside, human beings have a tendency to rebel. By the way, this is a central premise of parenting as well, right? The more parents tell a child, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, the more likely they are to eventually do it. Because 
particularly children, right? Teenagers. Teenagers are notorious. They don't want anyone imposing anything on them. They are free, and everybody else is dumb. They're the only ones that know what's right. That's just nature. It's, we're all teen, we all were teenagers one day, so you know, we all know that, that story, right? Nobody knows I know. So the point here that I'm trying to make very simplistically is that when, if, we, if something has to change, it's never going to change because someone else told us to do it. It's got to come from inside. It's got to come from inside. I have to conclude, looking in the mirror, that I'm eating way too many cupcakes. And if I can conclude myself I'm eating too many cupcakes, people are walking in and wondering <laughs> what kind of Islamic talk is going on here. <laughs> this guy's talking about cupcakes. Anyway, if I conclude myself that I need to avoid cupcakes, then everything else will be downstream, down, meaning it will be downhill. It will be a downhill challenge. And by the way, Islam teaches us this as well. Islam doesn't sit and give you a laundry list of things. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Yes, there's a paradigm that's established. Islam teaches us, this is your Lord. Understand that he created everything. Understand that he gave you all of this. He's extremely merciful in all of that he's provided you. And you should make every effort to please him. And after that, you figure it out. Now, of course, you have to go to the source. You're going to go to the scholars. You're going to go to the books of fiqh. But the mandatory things in our deen are minimal. The deen is imposing few things that any, every person could simply see that these are not very major. And for all that I'm getting, it's a minimal amount that I have to give in return. So these mandatory things are very, very few. Right? Everything else comes from you. You decide whether you want to follow the sunnah. You decide whether you want to follow the nawafil. No one is going to say to you that you did, you, why didn't you pray this awabin prayer? Why didn't you pray ishraq prayer? None of these, no one's going to, no one in the deen has the right to say any of that. So another very important principle is that in order for us to be able to change, if the outside world is dictating upon us, you don't change. Invariably, you feel constrained because somebody seems to be binding you, and you'll try to slip away. And by the way, this is just, again, like I said, parenting, uh, marriage, uh, education. This principle applies all over there as well. You know, if you, the moment that somebody pulls out in marriage, uh, can you, they call, I get the call, can you tell my wife all the rights of the husband? <laughs> or can you tell my husband all the rights of the wife? It's not going to work. It doesn't work because they're going to feel that it's been imposed upon them either by their spouse or by some external party. And so maybe, maybe they'll acquiesce for a day or two or five, but eventually they just slip back, right? So a very important principle that we should all appreciate is that we have to motivate ourselves, meaning we should internally be motivated to change ourselves. In, in this example that I keep using cupcakes. Now you can re 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 replace cupcake with sin. I mean, I don't think you should spend this much time fretting over cupcakes. I'm just using this as an example. But sin is something that we should fret over, right? I know I shouldn't be swearing, and I'm swearing like a sailor. Then i got to work on that, right? So anyway, this is uh, the second, right? Number one was temptation, right? And number two was rebellion. Okay, number three is, they call it accommodation. Number three, they call it accommodation. Accommodation means that I know that I would like to change, but I'm going to use the world as an excuse as to why I should accommodate 
my desire to change so that I can make everyone else happy. So for example, let's take cupcakes again. So I make a resolution that I'm eating way too many cupcakes, and I decide that I'm going to stop eating cupcakes. Now when I make that decision I'm going to stop eating cupcakes, the next week my work has an office party, and of course there's going to be cupcakes. So I say to myself, well, it's not nice if I don't eat the cupcakes, what will everybody at work think? People will feel less joyful. I'm going to be like sort of the one, the party pooper. So I need to just go there and eat these cupcakes. So what happens is now an intention was made, right? I need to avoid cupcakes. But um, because of the peer pressure, circumstantial pressure, societal pressure, whatever pressure you might want to call it, I give in and I go ahead and just eat the cupcakes. Now, this applies in our deen as well. You know, how many times do we make a decision that we're going to change, but then some friends call us up, so what am I supposed to say? You know, no, I'm not going to go here. I made a decision that I'm not going to these types of places anymore. This is my old friend. I can't say no. I can't, you know, uh, can't appear so harsh. They're all going to call me you know, some sort of religious fanatic. So we start acquiescing, you know, we start um, accommodating, they call it accommodation. We start accommodating other people's wills and desires instead of recognizing what's best for ourselves. So this is a very important feature as well, right? Which is that we need to recognize that when we make a decision in our lives that we want to change something about ourselves, we should stand firm we should appreciate and maintain the environment that we're in. Not saying we should run around with a stick and hit every person on their hand when they grab a cupcake. But we should appreciate, but we should also be confident in the decisions that we make and the things that we'd like to avoid. So just because the whole world thinks that, um, I don't know, pick a topic, you know, uh, I don't know, X or Y is acceptable, doesn't mean I have to accommodate. I have to be comfortable saying this is who I am. And this is how I've decided to live my life. This is the decisions that I've made. I recognize that you have the right to do what you would like to do, but this is the choice that I've made for myself. So it's really important to be firm and to not necessarily bend when society wants us to bend. So this is the third problem, or third, you can say, uh, you know, failure point when trying to change a bad habit. And the fourth they say is the most common, so I saved it for last, the most common reason that people fail when they want to change something about themselves. They say that this is the sort of the big fish in the room, right? And this one is called perfection. That a person says to themselves, I can't be perfect, so I'm not even going to try. Right? So, for example, person says, uh, I'm no longer going to eat cupcakes. And they make a decision that cupcakes are not good for them. But then, as they try a couple times, eventually they fail. So they say to themselves, what's the use? I can't be perfect. So because I can't be perfect... I'm just going to give up on this altogether. So sometimes they call this perfection. Sometimes they call this an all-or-none attitude. And 
I think the point to recognize here, this is a, by the way, this is a very common misconception. I, this is, people come to me all the time with this, with this misconception. And I think the point to recognize here is that we have to make every effort that we can. No one in our deen expects us to be perfect. We're not perfect. Allah does not expect us to be perfect. But the point is to make an effort. And when we make an effort, Allah will ease the circumstance. And where we fail, we make istighfar and tawbah. We don't have to be perfect. The deen is not expecting us to be perfect. Now again, you know, many of these things, they work both ways. But for example, let's just say this both ways for a second. So from one perspective, let's say that I make a decision that I don't want to eat cupcakes anymore. And I go to a party and there's cupcakes and I fail and I eat one cupcake. But at the point that I eat one cupcake doesn't mean I should go eat five more and say, it doesn't matter, I can never fix myself, I can never change this. The point to recognize is that even though I failed, it's still a success if I avoid the next cupcake. Maybe I normally eat three cupcakes, and if I eat one, that's a success. Maybe I normally eat cupcakes every week, and if I eat one every month, that's a success. Maybe I eat cupcakes... I don't know, like I said, every week I eat one, every other week it's a success. So they, the behavioral scientists, they say that a person should not look for perfection, they should look for progress. Meaning, if I make a decision to avoid something, even if I avoid it 5% more, 10% more, 15% more, that's something that's positive. And we should be encouraged by the positive rather than looking at the negative. Meaning we should have the proper... Uh, perspective on the circumstance. So these four principles, right? Four simple principles are very important for us to appreciate as we try to improve ourselves. Now, why, why do I? Why am I sitting here and giving you a talk about this? Because, like I said, we have aspects about ourselves that we're trying to improve. From one perspective, we all have habits that we know are not good. We don't need somebody to give us a lecture on them. We don't need to read some sort of uh, you know, treatise on why certain things are bad. There are just certain things that are just not good. They're very clear. Eventually, they become clear in, over time as we progress through life. And we should appreciate that what's wrong is wrong, what's not good is not good, and we should accept those things. And we should look in the mirror, and as we look in the mirror, we should recognize that these are common failure points when trying to make a change, and we should ask ourselves why we're not able to make that change when it doesn't happen. So why is it that I'm not able to improve my relationships with others? Why is it that I'm not able to avoid cupcakes? Why is it not, a, not able to avoid swearing? Why is it that I'm not able to avoid lying? Why is it that I'm not able to avoid backbiting or breaking my promises? Or You pick anything, it doesn't matter. We're all different. We all have our own monkeys on our backs. Okay, now, the next, just very quickly, the opposite. The opposite is installation of good habits. For example, I mean, I think most human beings agree, actually, maybe they don't, but uh, that, you know, waking up early in the morning and, and, getting, and being an active person in the morning is a good thing. Now, by the way, uh, all human beings are not programmed this way. Some human beings, they work well in the morning, and others, they don't work well in the morning. They actually need to sleep in the morning. They do better later on in, in the day. Of course, everybody needs to wake up for Fajr, but whether you sleep or stay awake after Fajr, this is often just a personal thing. Okay, but let's, make, let's, let's, come to, let's just come to a point here in this discussion 
which is that let's say that, okay, let's keep it simple, let's, let's make it relevant. Let's say that I decide in my life that in order to improve myself, I would like to have a basic routine of dhikr. I've made a commitment that I'm going to read Quran for 10 minutes every day. I'm going to read Quran for 10 minutes every day. So, I mean, think about this. Many of these things that we just talked about, these apply even when trying to establish a good habit. And I'll just start with the, just, we'll just give one example to save time. The, I told you the most common reason for failure to remove a bad habit is this notion of perfection. People basically say to themselves, I can't be perfect, so why try at all? And the funny thing is, even in the establishment of good habits, this is perhaps even in my personal experience, the most common reason why people don't instill good habits. I cannot tell you the number of people that come to me and they say, uh, you know, I know that you talk a lot about spiritual development, but I don't want to... Um, uh, I, I, I first want to change myself before I come and learn more about this topic. Right? So essentially what they're saying is, I first want to become perfect, and then I'm going to come and you can tell me what I need to do. But my point to them is, wait a minute, that's, if, if, if you can do that, then you don't need to come anyway. Because if you're able to be perfect by yourself, what do, what do we have to discuss? I don't have anything to add. You're doing what you need to do. Alhamdulillah. You're done. You don't need to come and ask me any questions. So people sometimes think that the only way to develop them, themselves spiritually is to first do, attain a certain degree of perfection. I'm not saying it means being perfect, but a certain degree of perfection. And then and only then does a person say, now I'm going to commit myself. Or, for example, a person says, uh, you know, I'm not going to try to do any liquor because I can't do it every day. So why even try? Or I'm not going to try to do any liquor because I have a young child and my child, I can't, I have to accommodate my child. You never know when they're going to wake up. You never know when they're going to need to be fed. You never know when they're going to want to play. So I'm not even going to try. But again, these are the fallacies of trying to change oneself. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to make the best effort. And that's, for example, one of the reasons why I give the advice generally that anybody who's trying to instill a good habit, you wake up in the morning, you make the intention for that habit. Step one, you wake up in the morning, you make the intention for that habit, you do the best that you can to instill that habit. At the end of the day, you be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever degree you were able to achieve. And then you wake up the next morning and you make a new intention. We don't carry the baggage of yesterday into tomorrow. For example, if I make a decision that I would like to do 20 minutes of Quran every day. So I wake up in the morning and I remind myself, I made a commitment to 10 minutes. Let's take 10 minutes, make it easy. I made a commitment to 10 minutes of Quran today. I know that this is going to spiritually elevate me. It's a means of purifying myself. It's a means of gaining guidance. It's something that's going to bring peace in my heart. It's a nice thing to build my day on. So 10 minutes, not a big deal. Now, what happens is you try, you try, you try, you find a five-minute window, whatever it might be. You do five minutes, you don't do 10. So at the end of the day, you're not going to kick yourself and say, my God, my God, why didn't I do 10? What a horrible person I am. I didn't do 10. Because that whole idea is going to kill the opportunity to do it tomorrow. Because nobody likes to be beaten down, even if it's they're beating themselves down. But instead, what should happen is at the end of the day, you should say, Alhamdulillah, 
I did five minutes of Quran today. That's a really big deal. Alhamdulillah, I did five minutes of Quran. So I'm so thankful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me five minutes of Quran. Even one moment with the Quran would have been amazing. And then at the, at the very end of that, you basically go to sleep the next day, you make a new intention, and then you reset. And you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, I'm going to try to do 10 minutes today. You don't wake up in the morning and say, how come I didn't do it yesterday? Now I got to do 15 today. And if I don't do 15 today, I'm a horrible person. That's not the way by which change occurs. By the way, this applies to everything. This can apply to, I'm going to study in the library for one hour every day. It could be, I'm going to do math for 20 minutes every day. It could be, uh, I'm going to call a new person, a new friend every day, just to reconnect. Anything, 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 any, any, good, any good habit, any good thing that we want to um, inculcate. So these basic principles that the whole world is clamoring over, subhanAllah, these have already been elucidated by our scholars. So many of these things that I when, I, when I read them, because these come up in wellness, right? So I, I read them from the medical perspective, and they, they send us these things all the time because they're trying to maintain wellness in the, in the physicians and the, whatever, the healthcare workers. Um, so I get to read these things all the time, and I can tell you that so much of what I read is essentially just rehashing that which the prophets, in particular the sunnah, has already established for us as goodness. And our scholars and our pious predecessors have already been practicing for literally 1,400 years. And there's, this is no exception. You know, there's long treatise on all, on all the behavioral science behind bringing in good habits and avoiding bad habits, which in Islam we call increasing our worship and good deeds and avoiding sin. And all of the advice that I see that our mashayikh, particularly the mashayikh, but the scholars as well, all of the mashayikh, all of the advice that the mashayikh and the scholars have given is literally the same stuff that I'm reading, except they just put some new terms on it. I'm not saying they necessarily took it from there, but I'm just saying that these are just so common to the nature of a human being that anybody who looks with any degree of um, with any degree of focus will eventually be able to appreciate that uh, these principles are tried, true, and tested. So alhamdulillah, it's a great, great honor that we have you know, a very simple path by which we can gain these basic um, advices and we can improve ourselves. And again, improving ourselves has two dimensions. Number one, removing that which we do which we dislike or which is more importantly disliked by Allah. And number two, by bringing in those things that we think that will make us better human beings, which also are highlighted in our sunnah and, of course, will earn the pleasure of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to avoid sin and avoid the things that we recognize to be harmful and detrimental to us. And may he make us amongst those who are able to increase good deeds and increase our worship and inculcate in our lives those things that are apparently beneficial to us. Wa akhirat da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen.